Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. We survived a week of 105 degrees every day. <laughs> we did. Luckily, the forecast actually was too high for like yeah. most of the week. It yeah, did have. It did. We had one day where it got to 105, but it said it was going to be like three. Because well, it got cloudy, so yeah. it wasn't as. One was supposed to be intense. 107. That didn't happen. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. What else is going on? I mean, it's been still pretty hot. I mean, we. Obviously, we aren't going out swimming. that much. We haven't swam in a <laughs> few days because it's been like yeah. a little too hot. crazy. Yeah, too hot. Uh, well, we like to be protected against the sun, so we usually swim late. But then we've had stuff going on. Yeah, uh, I finished my online professional development class. Oh, Ooh. so students for fall 2020, I'm ready. <laughs> kind of hundo percent. Kind of. <laughs> and I'm not, knock it out of the park. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah. We also, I believe, since the last episode, got that cool candle stuff that you got for me. Oh my gosh, which I know we talked about candles. I am not sponsored by them. <laughs> I just think that it's really cool. So, um, so there's this guy who makes candles and sells them. He's in the L.A. area, and the scents are. It's meant to be scents that set the scenery and the vibe and the ambiance when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons or any other. Uh, type role playing yeah so we're at the beginning of a what would be a long trek to trying to play a one person D &D campaign uh so we're has convinced me to try it out (laughs) because i am a resistant person (laughs) yeah i think it's because i don't really play D D. like i played it a couple times so it's like, I don't know, I'm still getting used to it as a form of I wonder, well, I've never played one on one, mm-hmm. one DM, one player. Um, I wonder if, you know, if you can create the right atmosphere. With the candles. True. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and like a space that's welcoming to stretching yourself out right well i think i would feel i don't know this is my own personal thing i would probably feel more comfortable just doing it one-on-one with you than in a even with like friends type setting Mm because i don't know i just i feel like i think there's a there's a progression to it Mm -hmm. for sure and that's what i was hoping maybe we'll get to is like if we can play just the two of us for a while where like each of us gets more and more weird with it (laughs) then you get to a place i think where the game really takes off because it requires in my opinion and there are multiple opinions on how to play dungeons and dragons and they're all worthwhile in my opinion in my experience um but my opinion on like the role of the game is the the role-playing part like yeah and my biggest hesitation is i'm not very good in the moment like i can't be creative on the moment Mm -hmm. Everything that I've done that's created, creative um, in terms of like video making has been like weeks of just thinking and um, then coming to some sort of like clarity one day being like, oh, hey, this is like putting together the things that I'm trying to express in an emotional 100%. Person. But I wonder <laughs> if D&D is, is one of few spaces where you could stretch a muscle that's different and actually become a little bit less um, inhibited, mm. uh, which is part of it. It's not as if you don't have quick thoughts, but you choose not to vocalize them almost always, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, yeah, but it's, you know, 
maybe your character is, you know, just very quiet. Yep. Could make for interesting <laughs> things. I'll have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's fun. We'll see where that goes. Um, what else is going on? Uh, more Wizards Unite events coming. Mm. Uh, Brilliant event starts on Tuesday. Uh, Wizarding weekend is this weekend with uh, Hogwarts School Foundables. So, yeah, lots of live streaming. That's mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Cool. You want to get into I'm it? I'm ready. Wands okay. ready. Wands ready. Let me jump over here. Turn to page 16, Aunt Marge's Big Mistake. Today's lesson is called Bargaining Truth. A synopsis. The chapter begins with Harry finding out that Aunt Marge, Vernon's sister, will be staying at number four Privet Drive. This is a dreadful realization for Harry because Aunt Marge delights in harassing and abusing Harry rather than ignoring his existence like the other Dursleys. Harry manages a negotiation with Uncle Vernon, whereby he behaves and goes along with the lies Vernon has told Marge, and in exchange, Harry will get his permission slip for Hogsmeade signed. Harry's resistance to Marge's abuses lasts until the final day, when she concludes that James Potter, Harry's father, must have been an awful person to have had an offspring like Harry. This causes Harry to have an outburst of anger, and magic channels through that anger to blow Aunt Marge up like a balloon. Harry immediately decides that his best recourse is to run away, so he hurriedly packs his things and leaves the house. Go Harry! Finally! These people, man! Okay, so the chapter begins with, it's, uh, there's this, this, like, long description about this television that they have, Mm -hmm. because of little Duddles, Dudley, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, on the TV... There is this escaped convict that there's like a news report and Ver- serious black. Yeah. Well, we don't have the first name. It just says black. Just black. But Vernon is like, he just goes straight. Him and Petunia just like straight at it. Mostly Vernon, as we've talked before about like wondering what is Petunia really like? Like we mm. get some like more details, but um, what stood out to me like immediately, of course, and we know this about the Dursleys, but like it's just the way it's captured in dialogue about judging a person based on you know nothing about this person except for what is given to you in this news story and a picture of him. So like judging a person based Scraggly. on a single story and image and he's all like, oh, look at his hair. Like he's clearly, uh, you know, trash. That's kind of like mm-hmm. the implication mm-hmm. there. And uh, to me, like the, the it's another instance where the desire for some sort of comfortable conformity is like who the Dursleys are. And a big piece of it, we know they portray this image and they like dress themselves up. Like so Aunt Marge is coming and they're doing this whole charade again where they're like dressing Dudley up and putting a bow tie on and all this whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like... I don't know. I was very, like, it was a very intense dialogue. I don't remember this. Again, this is only the first time I'm rereading the book. I've only read this book once. But he's talking about, like, oh, like, hanging them is the only way to do the trick. And I'm like, what is it? I heard you gasp, and I knew that that was the part you were reading. Because you were just like, oh, my God. What? know, it's so over the top. It is. It is is so intense. Oh, man. And then Petunia, she is... She is very, um, 
well, she's, they're both problematic, but she's very much like, I don't like her. Like the way that she's described, the quote that I wrote down was, she was the nosiest woman in the world and spent most of her life spying on the boring law-abiding neighbors, which mm. made me laugh because I'm like, there's no danger around you. You're just like making yeah. up things uh, in your We have head a social narrative like... going on about that type of behavior right now, so <laughs> it, it's fitting. But I, I think it's, yeah, I mean, the two of them are such ridiculous caricatures of <laughs> horrible people that they're terrible it's interesting to me one of the thoughts that i had was like uh in the arc of the whole story two mm -hmm. of the three of them get a wink and a nod at redemptive story arcs or, or character traits but vernon really doesn't in a lot of ways it's just kind of like okay bye harry i'll never see you again so it's kind of a, it, it's, it is always kind of humbling and grounding to have these books start with these three characters surrounding Harry because they're yeah. just so ludicrous in yeah. everything that they do. It's like in the privacy of your own home, but you, you, you don't recognize, I think that idea of like, well, you, you say something casual because we've said casual things that we don't necessarily mean the literally yeah l literally but it's hard to tell in the moment right if you don't really know us so it's interesting to me to think about like does he actually mean hangings or is he like tongue-in-cheek saying this you know uh does petunia take that claim like literally what does little dudley think about it yeah I mean, to me, like what That's he wild. says right before about like just Burn instantly being like, oh, hey, this guy's a criminal. Like, look at him. Like, of course, he's like, uh, what's the is layabout? I think that's the word because that word actually comes back up. Uh, oh, later on, because I did some research into Aunt Marge. And does uh, she describe Harry that way or uh, James? no, the, uh, the Potters hmm. um, or the way that. J.K. Rowling on Wizarding World website, like under the Aunt Marge thing, it talks about her believing that or thinking that the Potters are layabout. You so have like, some things about Marge that you I wanted have, to talk about, or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like, uh, well, first before I get into that, I don't remember. Uh, so we've started every book like with the Dursleys, but I don't mm -hmm. remember how exactly, like that literal literal word that is used describing the relationship. But here, what stood out to me that bullied was a word that was used. Hmm. So like, uh, I think it was in the context of uh, Dudley love, his entertainment was from Harry being bullied by Uncle Vernon or however it was phrased that way. But the word bullied was there. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's like super intense. Um, and then in turn, I was also a little taken aback by Harry because he, in this moment of, like, Vernon's going to, like, he's, like, everyone's getting ready for Aunt Marge to come over. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, all right, this is my opportunity. And he does this very manipulated, like, thing. Like, he's throwing back. These are manipulative people. But he throws it back at them, and he's, like, oh, well, if you want me to stay quiet, like, maybe you or can you sign this or whatever? Like, to get the permission slip signed. And I was just, like, I was uh, taken a little off guard uh, just the way that it was written, it just seemed like everything about this chapter made me feel like, ugh, like icky. <laughs> 100%. That, that's kind of where my, the title I chose came mm -hmm. in, of Bargaining Truths, like that Harry is the one who bargains it. I mean, of course, Vernon has told the lies, but that Harry tries to start leveraging the fact that he's lying and 
it's not surprising to me that it literally blows up in his face because he's not cut out for that type of action Mm -hmm. it would be like me trying to do that like i'm just (laughs) never gonna be able to hold the to toe the line of being like playing along with this ridiculous lie Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. well now that i know the truth you know it's kind of i'll be the harshest way i would put it is that it's actually rather shameful that he goes along with it. And I think that the magic explodes out of him in part because he is angry with himself Mm -hmm. that he's played along, that he was willing to play along with this woman who's quite, and the whole family who's quite horrible Mm -hmm. to the Uh, point where he's like, I'm done. Yeah. Because the the line kind of feels arbitrary. It's like, yes. Okay. He's talking about your dad, but like Mm -hmm. the JK Rowling says like, Harry never has been this angry before in his life. And I'm like, well why why because things have been said about his parents to him he's been lied to so like is it it, it, there's a contextual part that like marge is a horrible antagonist Mm -hmm. for harry in like the draco kind of way but like (laughs) he's really going to be more angry about this than like when draco called hermione a mudblood i mean okay part of that was like he didn't understand the term in the moment yeah I don't know. I I, di- I, di- I I don't buy that it's all just the insult that is making Harry feel so angry. I think mm-hmm. that it's partly that he's sold himself out and his family out. Yeah, yeah. For something Interesting. minor. Yeah, that's going, a good point. You know, going to Hogsmeade. So about Aunt Marge, so I just wrote in my notes that she's a drunk troll because yeah. she is like towards yeah. the end, that last day, and she's just like, yeah, she's the worst. sure. Poor, and and she has the Marge. gall to say like, he must have been a drunk James, like a uh, drunk yes, driving. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. So much. Okay. Oh, projection and all this stuff. Yeah. Oh. So <laughs> mm. I went and I, I looked up, I, I don't know exactly what I, I was trying to search for a lot of different things in this chapter. There wasn't really much to latch on to. Eventually I got to something that's like more theoretical, but. Mm. Um, so according to Wizarding World, this is writing by J.K. Rowling, uh, Marge is secretly in love with her neighbor who she left her dogs with, Colonel Fubster. Colonel Fubster, yeah. a crazy name, but all right. <laughs> Fubster. <laughs> um, he will never marry her due to her truly horrible personality. Uh, this unrequited passion fuels a lot of her nasty behavior to other people. And, mm. and also in that writing, she believes Harry to be the offspring of two unemployed layabouts who dumped their son on their hardworking relatives, Vernon and Petunia, which she does express in dialogue. And it's like, it's really sad because like, so this is like the the image crafting that the Dursleys try to do of like, we're so hardworking and oh, poor us. And like, oh, this like, can you believe this? Blah, blah, blah. And they're outwardly lying about who... Harry's parents were in that relationship and just like feeding into this like fantasy of like what their lives all of their lives are like and uh it's it's just pretty it's disgusting I remember the movie (laughs) scene I always really liked the beginning of the movie scene when like there's that exchange between Marge and Harry about like getting beaten by Kane or whatever He's just like, oh yeah, loads. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's sort of a yeah yeah. Um, do you have stuff that you want to talk about before I get into the that? only thing that I looked up was basically this idea of 
the accidental magic. Oh yeah, I did. I didn't uh, go into that. So it, it is what you expect it to be. So basically, all the entries I found weren't really talking about accidental ma- magic in a vacuum. It was more like underage magic, mm-hmm. or that was the context. So there's like accidental wandless magic, which is what happened here. Yeah. Then there's intentional wandless magic, which is like what we'll find out that Tom Riddle could do as a young boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harry's mom also will do some of that as a young person, pre-wand, but directed. Yeah. Well, it's if uh, we've had also in previous books, or I guess the first book, uh, glimpses of Harry had done stuff before made things happen before but the claim is that those were accidental that's what this Mm -hmm. claims Mm -hmm. that he didn't have he wasn't directing himself to do that yeah yeah uh but yeah and then uh underage magic with a wand Mm -hmm. which we'll see a little bit of in book five and we also saw kind of something tangential in the in book two where harry gets criticized for c- casting a hovering charm but he oh, didn't hey. actually co- cast a ho- hovering charm <laughs> yeah 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 but apparently according to these sources the ministry believed that he did that with his wand potentially so interesting that honestly there Who there wasn't too much on the trace and be like hey this yeah, is not working <laughs> this is an error security guard uh, yeah there wasn't that much for me in this chapter magical to really look into mm-hmm so I was thinking a lot about uh, my reaction to how can these humans exist and be so horrible. And so I literally Googled what makes a person so hateful. And apparently I'm not the first person to Google this because this was like the autofill as I started typing the sentence out. Um, and there are several psychological theories, but one that I was particularly interested in is called social comparison theory. And so this was proposed by a social psychologist uh, named Leon Festinger in 1954. And it it centers on the belief that there's a drive within individuals to gain accurate self-evaluations. So individuals evaluate their own opinions and like kind of who they are or what they can do by comparing ourselves to other people uh, in order to reduce uncertainty and learn how to define the self. So it's just like, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff uh, related that's like social groups, in groups, out groups, and like how we see ourselves, how we relate into like how we categorize people in the world, whether we're similar to them, dissimilar to them, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so then there are these dynamics and concepts called downward and upward comparisons. So like how you're looking, are you looking up to someone? Are you looking down down on someone? Or that's like the most, I guess... Uh, brash way to put it mm-hmm. um and so when somebody looks at another individual that they consider to be worse off than themselves um in order to feel better about themselves they're making a downward social comparison mm-hmm. uh so research suggests that uh the social uh comparisons with others who are better off or superior or in other words the upward ones can lower someone's self-regard um, and then downward comparisons can elevate self-regard. But of course, theories aren't that simple. So over time, there's been like addendums and further research and like uh, criticisms and all of that. So uh, sometimes upward social comparisons are made to 
self-evaluate and self-improve so it's sort of like an aspirational or inspirational sort of like oh i want to be like this person yeah 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 Mm -hmm. um and so in an upward social comparison people want to believe themselves to be part of the elite or superiority which is in my opinion not a good dynamic to have like if you're there so there's competing like Mm -hmm. theories i guess like you can have or even situations like something that's inspirational but can also lend itself to this superiority that's not healthy because then it makes you look down on others and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And uh, I, May I interrupt? Yeah, go ahead. I, I was thinking like, I was wondering if we have a propensity to exaggerate on both levels. Yeah. Is that going to come up? Did you find something uh, like Well, that? I didn't get into like specific studies or anything, but... Um, there are, there is in this theoretical framing that oftentimes when you're doing an upward, um, comparison that you tend to seek out the similarities between you and the upward comparison that you're making. And if you're making a downward comparison, then you're looking at those dissimilarities that set you apart where you're, and that's kind of the dynamic. And that's why it's kind of like... Mm -hmm. Um, insidious and often relies on single stories so Mm -hmm. like for example uncle vernon just looking at this guy with scraggly hair and being like look at his hair like downward looking comparison being like i'm better than this person we are not similar in that way but also at the same time glancing over to harry who also has messy hair and so there's this association that's like very explicit in this book at that beginning part where he there's these comparisons being made and it's clear that i mean we already know this vernon is awful toward harry hates him but it's also another well it makes me think about how like one one of the things that i've been thinking a lot about and we've talked a lot about recently is like guilt by association so you have this concept of like because you've associated with somebody in some way then like all of their sins are somehow also your burden Mm. and or people portray it that way at least and i think there's a way in which to see an analogous thing here with stereotyping right that it's kind of guilt by association no characteristic (laughs) so it's Mm. like oh because you have a characteristic of scraggly hair or your layabouts whatever that might mean then like you're you're certain uh we can then infer about you accurately and Mm -hmm. what i was thinking about the what i meant by the exaggeration was mostly what you had said but another way of restating it is like that the inference is more and more inaccurate like you start to look down on people or look up at heroes and be like they're fictional they're like you, you don't even yeah What's what's also interesting is uh, so there in this criticism, there were other scholars who claim that so there's this question of like, is it only similarities or do people seek out like different opinions and like what do people make up about it? Like that sort of thing. And um, they suggest that people prefer to compare those who are similar on related attributes such as opinions, characteristics, or abilities to increase confidence for their own value judgments. And then also those dissimilar in whatever attributes are preferred when validating one's beliefs. So like to, um, I'll just take Vernon for the, for an example of like, oh, well, this, uh, this is kind of like a, not, not a clean thing, but like a, 
I'm looking at this guy. He's a convicted, an escaped convict. He has this disheveled hair, whatever, whatever. Look at him. Like, this is why we look and act the way we do. We live in the suburbs or whatever. I mean, we see this. We've heard this, um, Mm -hmm. particularly with uh, large movements like the war on drugs or things that are often perpetuated and And you get proxies yeah and so you say like oh this is a gateway to this and that and whatever but you're just making these associations without really any appearances or evidence is is really like at the heart of it tattoos for example being a major but i want yeah tattoos yeah certain clothing yeah uh, way of speaking appearance right Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think i wonder if in the age of like social media if a lot of that appearance is going actually towards speech right the way you talk or type and what you say uh, then i'll then i'll lump you together yeah there's an idea kind of that i've been floating around with recently about we don't have to go too far down this, but basically that like you can't be fast enough with nuance because people will hold it immediately against you in this day and age. What Mm. you've said, like you can't say your second sentence faster, fast enough Mm. uh, for people to listen, everyone to listen. So it's an interesting thing, right? The kind of sound bites. It's not too different from this imagery where you, there's no, there's no true second sentence or second story. It's just, this is an escaped convict. Mm. And it's interesting that they, the Dursleys kind of sniff out that something suspicious is going on because they don't, they're like, well, you didn't even tell us where he was or where he escaped from. Why? You know, mm. that there is, I believe, often a sort of intuition about like being lied to or being misled or being told partial truths, but sometimes that intuition gets snuffed out so fast and that's where stereotypes and things I think fill that role of snuffing out like the nuance of intuition and being like oh there's more to the story but yeah he's scraggly so look out the window you know he might come kill us well yeah I read that as like a casual comment like they don't care really like they care to the extent that they can this might be claiming too much but to act victim like for them like we already had the setup that Petunia is like the nosiest person and just spies on her basically boring law abiding neighbors. They're, again, like I have, I, I highly doubt that there's like danger around them, but like the, the idea that like, well, well, it's kind of this like paradox almost like we live in this area, for example. And again, I might be projecting a lot on the Dursleys right now, but they are just awful humans. So I don't necessarily feel too bad about it. So they're like living in this area. Are you socially comparing yourself? To yes, them? I am. Interesting. <laughs> they uh, seem to be like, or at least Petunia, nosy, whatever, whatever, in everyone's business, but doesn't seem like anyone's doing anything sketchy. Um, and to be like the, oh, but we must protect ourselves because we we chose to live here in this protected like area. like, And there's this person that's out on the loose i mean i can't imagine the dursleys living now what when you have news like from all over the world they would probably lose their minds right. <laughs> like uh, i don't know the other thing with social comparison that i i believe is probably like with more research uh contemporary research right now is uh, social media and how uh, they're on this wikipedia page it was a reference Number to fomo <laughs> fomo <laughs> and so and also like this idea of a um a comparison of so something like you were mentioning of like something that's not real so if you're if your comparison your baseline is 
polished internet propaganda mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm gonna call it propaganda right now that's the right word for it and yeah. then yeah i mean we talk i mean there's campaigns about body image we had like barbie mattel like creating literally creating different types of bodies yeah. for barbies because of all this pushback and conversation yet it still persists because there are other ways to maintain that sort of um messaging and it's i mean it's to make money off of people as well, but it's also this very dangerous right. obsession. That well, I, I, there's there, there's people. a there's a yeah there's a feedback loop that's really dangerous in the sense that like the lies we tell ourselves when other groups and slash companies slash politics figure out those lies that we tell ourselves they will feed them mm-hmm. like a fire, and so I think it's a uh, you know some maybe what starts out as a harmless sort of like oh well I have this like. I must be doing great. Mm-hmm. They don't. Uh, why don't they? And rather than sort of looking at like the system as something that would produce differential outcomes, that's what the system does. Uh, you look at characteristics that actually have no meaning mm-hmm. when it comes to it. So, it, in in so far as like direct meaning, it is through this sort of social comparison that they start to gain traction as like the cause and then once they're set once it's set enough that like oh this is actually the cause then you start actually the system is like oh let's make it the cause you know (laughs) so i think it's a yeah it's it's dicey and i think they're yeah there's just i mean harry i feel why he leaves i mean it's an exasperating even in five pages to like have this person so toxic around uh as marge it's just like yeah man oh man get me out of here yep he's there so he's out he's on a the teenager now he is he's out on the uh the street here he is got his carrying around his uh Poor little his trunk and yeah because he sent off hedwig mm-hmm. and errol it's like all right to yeah to to, to sell it mm-hmm to sell that he's not a wizard yeah, and yeah. You know, not be suspicious yeah, yeah. Poor Harry. Anyway, yeah, so... Yeah. That's that. Yeah, I, that's all. <laughs> Last we'll ever hear of Marge, I think. Well, well I well, guess uh, we'll hear about him in, her in the next chapter. Yeah, what happens? Like what that. happens? The aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> my gosh. But cool, yeah. yeah. I guess the next chapter must be the night bus, oh, right? Is it the night bus? I don't well, know. I didn't look at the next chapter. I, I would imagine I think it so, is, yeah. yeah. I don't think he spends a whole chapter out there. Just I'm wandering. So looking forward to that. <laughs> yep. Okay, until next time. Juan's ready. ready.